Please blow. Please, please keep the birds away from those windmills. Please. Tell those beautiful bald egos, no, no, a bald ego. <laughs> you know, if you shoot a bald ego, they put you in jail for a long time. But the windmills knock them out like crazy. It's true. That's Trump at uh, a rally in Colorado <laughs> last night. I remember his thing about the windmills where he said, electricity from the wind. You want to watch TV, honey? I don't know. Is the wind blowing? <laughs> Oh, boy. Uh, Speaking of politics, we're going to talk to Lon Hee Chen coming up in a little bit. we got to talk to him about that uh, most highly watched Democratic debate of all time from the other night. And do Bloomberg doom himself in in a two-hour period after spending half a billion dollars? Lon Hee is not only a a very smart guy and an even-handed commentator, but he has done debate prep for a living and and campaign strategy and the rest of it. So uh, through the eyes of a pro coming up in a couple minutes. Also, this is a blockbuster hour. We will have the latest internet challenge we're all supposed to be worried about. There are actually two of them now. Oh, no. They're coming in pairs, uh, apparently. And a member of the squad, Ilhan Omar, it now appears clear that she did marry her brother. Oh, really? In order to flout immigration laws. I've forgotten that story. members of the uh, Somali community are speaking I, out. I'd forgotten the term, the squad. Me too. They're off the radar now for quite some time. AOC was on The View the other day. Did she say anything ridiculous? We should have looked for this. I don't know. Anything happened? I mean, that show is unwatchable and unlistenable and really one of the worst things that's ever happened to mankind. It's right after the 1918 flu. The view is number two to me, but um, I just wondered if she said anything. She got them real tries. Oh. Oh, oh, yeah, she got them. She got them. Yeah. So, uh, listen, we got Lon Hee coming up. Do we have time for this? I'll, I'll just touch on it. This is another thing, you know, it'd be good to hear from uh, employers. Uh, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com is the email address, or you can text us, 415-295-KFTC. But uh, this is from the Wall Street Journal. Managers and younger employees are struggling to adapt as generation a generation of people with higher rates of reported mental illness are entering the workforce. Does it seem like everybody has anxiety and yep. depression and... Yep. And the rest of it these days, yes, yes, it does. And I and we've talked about this at length. I'm not sure exactly what we're doing to our young people, but it's bad. Yeah, I think uh, well, my guess is there is something environmental happening, and we're overparenting. And I think both of those things are happening, and uh, it's making everybody that, crazy. Combine that with the never-ending inputs. We we as a species. It's like we inhale all day long and never exhale in terms of taking in information. Okay, that's and good. Contact. So you and combine those three things, and the the, the 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 sketchiest one, of course, is environmental. Nobody's got any proof of that. But right. I just, maybe there's not. I don't know. It could just be the other one: overparenting and too much screen time. Yeah, too much input, like you said. Well, listen, we're off on a tangent here, but it's one of the most interesting ones I think I've, that you could possibly discuss. So why not? Uh, at every phase of human progress, civilization, whatever, there has been a substance, a chemical, something around that people routinely use that turned out to be awful for us, and we had no idea. 
Now, granted, our science is a heck of a lot better these days, but don't don't fall for that hubris of the modern man that, oh, no, 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 no. We've got it all straightened out now. We're not doing the stupid things humans have always done now. So, yeah, I, it would be shocking if there were not a substance that is all around us that is screwing us up. I mean, that's just been history. Anyway, so uh, workers um, and employers trying to come to terms with the fact that everybody has these mental illness challenges of various levels. Many of these new workers are coming to offices from colleges and high schools where they received accommodations, like extra time to take tests or complete assignments, in some cases from elementary school onward. Mm. And they're confronting a world of work that operates under different legal standards and less flexible pressures and deadlines. You can't explain to your cousin, hey, sorry, it's a week late, late with the shipment, but Jim over here, he has anxiety. You know, and I realize you have to shut down your factory for a week, but Jim's anxiety, come on now. I mean, you just can't operate like that. And, and you know, gosh, dang it. I think it. I think a big part of it may be the whole you've got to be cruel to be kind thing when it comes to teaching people how to be adults. When when I, I, Joseph Getty, prominent radio host, would explain that, oh, you know what, uh, I got in a, a fender bender last night, and I had spent all the time filling out the forms and stuff, and so uh, the paper's not done. Well, if you'd done it before last night, it'd be done. Well, I, uh, 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 and then I got downgraded. And that was mean. That was mean. But it taught me to quit scrolling around and get my work done. Because if that last second, you know, mishap occurred, you're just screwed. And I just, I think we've designed a society where there are too many accommodations um, for people who just want them. They don't necessarily need them. But uh, there are now tons and tons of EEOC. That's your Equal Opportunity, uh, Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Uh, complaints, discrimination complaints related to, for instance, anxiety orders. In 2006, there were 65 of them nationwide. 2019, there were 371, and that number is expected to skyrocket this year. Actually filing government grievances that your boss was mean to you and was not making provision for your anxiety. This has got to be dealt with. That's something. Yeah, here's a young woman with autism. We are and such a soft society. Caring, but soft. Yeah, yeah. I mean, here's, and, and I'll wrap this up because I really want to talk to Lonnie, but, um, and maybe we'll come back to it later. It's such a big issue, but here's a young woman with autism and anxiety. That's my daughter. It's not my daughter in the article, but that oh, is her. Okay. Uh, who brought a job coach to an interview at a Party City store. The hiring manager allegedly attempted to cut the interview short and made demeaning comments about the applicant. That's, you know, in the eye of the beholder, I'm sure. But sure. The company agreed to pay $155,000 to settle. Did not admit liability, didn't respond to a request for comment, but if you're writing a check for one hundred fifty-five grand, that's because you think it's going to cost you a hell of a lot more than that to defend yourself. Mm-hmm. So, oh boy. Oh boy. And as we've pointed out, some of the so-called leaps forward um, for women in the workplace with pregnancy, you get 12 weeks leave, whatever, or uh, some of the, the concerns about uh, harassment suits, the rest of it, have made it much scarier to hire women and made it easier to say, maybe we go with the dude, because that's the way the real world works. But 
Again, more on this as uh, time frees itself up, but looking forward to chatting with the fabulous Lon Hee Chen. Yeah, he's actually prepped candidates for presidential debates. What did he think of the one the other night? We'll talk to him next. I don't know if anybody watched last night's debate. It got very big ratings. And you know what? Mini Mike didn't do well last night. I was going to send him a note saying, it's not easy doing what I do, is it? Not easy. It's not easy, Mike. Not easy for any of them. Now, Mike didn't do too well. He went way down. It's all right. Mini Mike. <laughs> so I didn't see one pundit, not one, who didn't think it was a disaster for Bloomberg. And and everybody had the same question. How did you not have an answer for the, the things you knew you were going to get asked about? <laughs> the two big knocks. Lonnie Chen, David and Diane Steffi Research Fellow at the Hoover Institution, Director of Domestic Policy Studies at Stanford University, joins us. Lonnie, how are you? Hello, good morning. Were you able to watch the debate live? Have you have you seen it? What do you think? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, look, you know, Mike Bloomberg, he he had a he had a rough time. And uh, you you guys asked the right question, which is why could he not answer that question? And Usually, from my experience, it's one of two things. One is poor preparation. The other is the candidate just doesn't want to answer the question. And, you know, you can do as much prep work as you want, but ultimately it's that person, when they get on the stage, you know, they're going to say what they want to say, and you can prep them all you want, but if they don't want to say it, they're not going to answer the question. So have you been, because like, I, I always said yesterday, I said, I'll bet there were p- d- d- debate preppers in a back room somewhere screaming, oh, my God, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, like they, they yeah. prepped him, but he just didn't follow through or chickened out or he changed your mind? I mean, what causes you to not answer the question? Well, you know, it, it's part of it, you know, my sense in watching Bloomberg is there's a little bit from him of, you know, why am I on the stage with these jokers? Mm, I'm, I'm, worth 40, I'm worth $46 billion. I can, you know, I, I, there's all sorts of things I can be doing with my time. Why am I having to respond to some 38-year-old punk kid, you know, some some 70-some-odd-year-old socialist crazy guy, and <laughs> you know, and 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 these other people on the stage? So I some of the, some of it may be that. I mean, obviously, I, I don't know him, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try and pretend like I can get into his head. But the sense I just got was that was part of it. The other part of it is, look, you know, there's, we have spring training in baseball for a reason. You know, you, mm-hmm. it takes a while to get up to regular season form. And if you throw a guy, I don't care how skilled he is, and Bloomberg is not a charismatic guy, but if, if you take even the most skilled athlete and throw them into a midseason or postseason situation, I mean, I'd argue we're in the postseason now. And, and they haven't done any work at all. They haven't been competing in any games or any practices until then. And you and you ask them to perform, they're not going to do well. So some of it, I, I am curious to see. There's another debate coming up next Tuesday night in South Carolina. 
I'm curious to see how Bloomberg does if he participates, because that will be a better indication once he's got a few of these under his belt. So you've advised candidates and helped them prep for debates. I, I heard it suggested that Bloomberg has been mind-bogglingly wealthy for a very long time and is not used to being instructed or challenged and doesn't take instruction very well. Uh, I saw his chief strategist falling on his sword saying, it was my fault, I should have prepped him better, which I have a feeling is bull duty. But uh, what's it like to see your guy get up there and and not really execute? And, and how do you coach him up? Well, you know, I think it's 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 tough because... You know, these guys who work on these campaigns, particularly at the senior levels, you're pretty invested in the candidate. You're pretty invested in what they're trying to do. So I can understand, you know, folks who work for these candidates taking it personally. But, you know, different candidates prepare in different ways. You know, some candidates like to have a lot of time going through the policy, going through the substance. That was Mitt Romney. You know, he, he loved to spend time sort of let's really get into the policy. Let's really get to a point where I understand this. And then let's zoom back out and, and think about how we want to talk about these issues in a relatable way. Um, Marco Rubio, who I helped in 2016, um, you talk about a raw, natural talent athlete. That's Marco Rubio. He could take a set of issues and just say, this is how I want to talk about it. And, and he wanted to spend his time thinking more about, let's talk about the back and forth. What's it going to be like when I go after Trump or when I go after uh, Chris Christie. Now he's not making he America recall, great again. He's making it orange again. <laughs> <laughs> I still love that line. That, that sort of thing. And 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 uh, and and you know sometimes of course candidates don't execute in in the way they want or the way you would hope. You know that happened with Romney. It happened with Rubio in that debate in New Hampshire. You guys remember when he and Chris Christie went up against each other and and it seemed like Marco was kind of repeating himself. So it, 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 it's tough. You can prepare these candidates. You can spend lots of time doing it, but at the end of the day, it's tough. I mean, you're on that stage with some very skilled people, and you're asking them to, to talk about you know, potentially really complex issues. Or in the case of Bloomberg, having to defend elements of his past, which may be indefensible in a Democratic primary, right? Yeah, yeah. How do you defend there's, there's these no good agreements? There's no good answer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, but there's a slick answer, at least. Yeah, it's changed the subject. <laughs> Change the subject. You you say to Elizabeth Warren, as soon as she hits you on the woman thing, you say, why are we talking about something from 30 years ago? Last week, you had black members of your team say they're being discriminated in this city, in this state today. What's your answer for that? Wouldn't that be better than ha, 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 ha. (laughs) You know, it it, it probably would have been better. And I think he's going to have to learn from it because the question's not going away. So, you know, in, in the next debate, if he still has that deer in the headlights, if he's still talking about, I, I mean, I don't even remember what his answer His answer was really bad. It was really bad. Really, hey, really but you, bad. you brought something up I wanted to touch on uh, while we have time. The, uh, several people pointed out that Rubio Chris Christie moment, similar to what happened with Elizabeth Warren and Bloomberg the other night. And the, the point yeah. being, Chris Christie just went after Rubio and pounded him and pounded him and pounded him and hurt Rubio. But Christie didn't go up in the polls because of that. Didn't help him. Anyway. Trump, the Trump, the guy in first place in the middle of the stage, just continued to soldier on and get the nomination. Is that what happened the other night? Elizabeth brought down yeah. Bloomberg, but didn't help her. And, and Sanders is still standing in the middle in first place. Yeah, because, you know, here's the problem, guys. You can go after someone, you can take them down, but that does not give you a reason for your candidacy. The essence of Elizabeth Warren's candidacy is still fundamentally put in question by the fact that she has not run a very good campaign the last couple months, and people still don't really understand 
how she potentially could be different from Bernie Sanders. So, you know, I think people who are progressive would prefer Bernie Sanders because they like his policy. People who want someone who they think is electable are going to go to Buttigieg or Biden or somebody else. So she's kind of stuck in between. And the fact that she can take someone down in a debate, I mean, it's nice. It's good television. It's entertaining. But you're absolutely right. The only person who benefits from that is Bernie Sanders because he's in the middle. He's skating. He's sort of like, this is great. Go after each other, guys, because the dynamic doesn't hurt him one bit. Lon He Chen of the Hoover Institution on the line. Lon He, uh, do you believe Mitt Romney would have won if he'd brought up horse-faced lesbians? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I may, 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 Even maybe once. not if he brought it up once, but twice. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I right. mean, you got to keep it's, hammering it's, the point. <laughs> Repetition crazy. matters. Well, hey, let's convene after Tuesday and see whether Bloomberg uh, can find his hiney with uh, either hand and, and, and see uh, where the race goes from there. Uh, Lonnie Chen, always great to talk to you. Thank you a million. Good, good to be with you guys. Right. Thanks. Yeah, that oh, is... Yeah. <laughs> America loves horses. America loves lesbians. Horse-faced lesbians. Truly cherishes <laughs> the more equine-looking gals. Yeah, I, I hadn't thought about that. I actually watched the clip. Chris Christie just pounded Rubio. And Rubio went down a little bit, but yeah. it didn't help Chris Christie. Yeah, the, I, I think Chris Christie may have been doing what I suggested Liz Warren was doing, auditioning for vice president. Because traditionally, that's your campaign attack dog. You're mm. the, the happy warrior. And the idealist and the, the person with the, the policies. Meanwhile, my Veep, you'll notice, has a shiv, and he's about to put it in you. And, and you know, she was auditioning for that. I thought it was a pretty good audition, too. Yeah, she, she's good at that. Mean as a snake. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The fact is, uh, you have to hand it to the Cherokee dominatrix. Uh, she's not going to be the candidate, but she actually uttered that phrase you just played, horse-faced lesbians, which I believe has not been used in any presidential debate since, uh, I believe, Benjamin Harrison and Grover Cleveland. But to, to flay him for calling women horse-faced lesbians, and he just stood there looking rather horse-faced himself, uh, unable to respond to it. And then she, starts, then she starts going on about non-disclosure agreements. He won't disclose how many non-disclosure agreements he signed. And eventually, it's such a lively debate that uh, miracle of miracles, Joe Biden wakes up and uh, he starts having a swing at Blue. God, God, look, come on, man. God love you, man. NDA, NDA, man. I played for the NDA years ago. Uh, my son owns an NDA franchise that a uh, Chinese general gave him. Uh, by then... <laughs> Mark Stein on fire. Oh, that's funny. What did he call her? The uh, Native American. The fact is, uh, you have to hand it to the Cherokee dominatrix. Oh, oh, no. unfortunate. I tweeted this out last night. I didn't catch the, the little Mike's eye roll until I saw it last night. Uh, have you seen that? I forget what Elizabeth Warren oh, yeah. got into, but he went oh, yeah, to full. Yeah. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah, yeah. The difficulty of being a billionaire candidate is to humble yourself enough to participate. 
And, and, and uh, well, it's one of the miracles of Trump is that he's uh, insanely wealthy since birth. Manhattan real estate developer who connects with common people. Um, uh, and I, I, I think Lonnie Chen kind of touched on that really well, where he was he felt above the whole thing. He was looking at these people. Like, I wouldn't hire any of you to work at any of my companies. I'm not going right. to debate you on this stuff. I believe right. he feels that about them. But isn't he smart enough to realize But this is the game you have to play? You would think, although pride is a funny thing. Sometimes it, it rears its head uh, when it's not handy. <laughs> I don't yeah. think billionaires no, are accustomed to having to play any game. That's, right. Yeah, exactly. it, it, it's hard for us to get in. He's the eighth richest person in the world. Wow. I He's didn't not know that. just rich like Mitt Romney was rich, right. or not even just rich like Donald Trump's rich. Yeah. Eighth richest person in the world. Wow. He, and there are Chinese oligarchs and, and, and shakes and whatever else up there. He has people tell him his wrong, he's wrong and talk to him like that absolutely never. Right. Why, well, little Amy Klobuchar with the Mexican lady yelling at her head, you couldn't have liked that either. But. Oh, man, there's so much to talk about today. I, I will tell you this. Uh, know this if you have to tune out. We'll get into this a little more later, but the big story in the Washington Post and the New York Times about Russia wants to back Trump, and Trump fired his director of national intelligence for saying that to Congress, you now have Matt Taibbi utterly flaying those papers and those stories. Oh, really? He is murdering oh, those stories. really? I actually, didn't know that. Actually, I murdered those stories earlier today, but he has a higher profile. But he's <laughs> he is murdering those stories. Jake Tapper is murdering those really? stories. Jake Tapper of CNN. Now, I had ignored it because I just, that's my go-to now. Because I don't understand the point. I have no idea if any of this stuff is true. Right. The New York Times and the Washington Post have lied about giant stories. I mean, big, this is huge, the president may be a crook stories. Right. They've lied so many times, I just, I think, well, it might be true, it might not be true, but I have no way known, so I'm just not going to pay any attention. Well, yeah, that's fine. But And I mean, MSNBC uh, went crazy with it last night. Well, right, but this is where I disagree with you. It is everywhere, and our, our listeners are being battered with it everywhere they go. And they want to hear an answer to it. And I, I don't think have that's an answer. I do. don't know what's true and what's I not. I do have an answer to it. It's crappy reporting. It's terrible reporting. It's full of logical fallacies, anonymous sources. Matt, As Matt Taibbi says, quote, both Republicans and Democrats asked the intelligence agencies to hand over the underlying material that prompted their conclusion that Russia is favoring Mr. Trump, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Your translation, intel sources once again secured a scare headline without offering proof. And he mocks John Brennan for his harem scarum reporting in the rest of it. Uh, You know, I could share some more of it. Um, The intelligence community has a long history of manipulating conclusions to fit political aims, whether it's WMD or sonic weapons or Russiagate. I need to see the underlying evidence before I buy any story they're selling. And he goes on and on and just administers a beating. So it's another story that was 24 hours long and nobody will remember it in a week. That they come and go like this. It's just part of the the way the world works now, for whatever reason. And most of America will never hear the counterpoint. I don't know. They'll just believe it. I don't think most of America heard the... What's the first thing before a counterpoint? I don't know. Point? point? (laughs) I don't think most of America heard the point. I don't think most people hear these cable news stories, uh, dust-ups. I don't think they hear them originally. Right. Or the retorts to them. I think they just disappear into the ether. So, uh, For a tiny I, percentage of people. I says to uh, Positive Sean, I says, uh, I don't get the strategy here because all these wildly irresponsible turn out to be crap 
stories. They just solidify support for Trump and yeah. and 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 uh, cement the idea that the media can't be trusted. And Sean's uh, retort was pretty insightful. His counterpoint, if you will, yeah, this is all being driven by clickonomics. The, their their incentives are for that rather than what we assume a the fourth estate should be doing. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. I'm into this news site called The Dispatch now, which you might not have heard of, and that's part of their point. They don't want everybody to be into them as a news site. They're going against specifically, I heard them talking about this the other day, Clickonomics. They're trying to run a news site that is not about clicks. And it's not about the 24-hour news story of the day because they agree they disappear within a day and nobody even remembers they happen. We're mm-hmm. not going to talk about those stories. If something's around for several days and turns out to be true, we'll comment on it. Right. The only um, enduring effect of these stories, I think, is to undermine their credibility and make them look like cranks. And uh, and uh, Jonah Goldberg with the Dispatch mentioned one organization similar to this that he used to work for back in the day. And the guy who ran it, oh, I think it was might have been Irving Crystal, Bill Crystal's dad. But uh, who said, if we ever have more than 7,000 subscribers, we're doing something wrong. <laughs> Their idea was, we're for a certain group of people that care about real stories. Uh-huh. And uh, and that, that's what trying, they're trying to do at the dispatch. But th- that's what they're talking about, is the clickonomics thing yeah. that is driving so much of news. They don't care if it's true or not. That doesn't even enter the equation. Oof. The only equation is, on Friday afternoon, when I take to my send over to my boss the PDF of how many clicks we got, we need to have 10% more than we had last February. Yeah, yeah, I think that's absolutely right. You know, it's and funny. he's not going to ask, of those clicks, which of those stories turned out to be true? That's not going to come up. I'm going to say this not because it's just a lazy metaphor, but I think the more you think, the more I think about it, the more true it becomes. We were talking earlier about meth, um, the, the new super pure, super cheap Mexican meth that is flooding the country. And we heard from folks who work at a hospital saying it's been devastating. We can't, we here who are dealing with this can't believe nobody's been talking about this. So anyway, but the whole clickonomics thing is so to journalism like meth is to a human being. Because once you, you're going to dabble in it, it's it's just part of your life to keep you going. I mean, just a little pick me up, a little uh, forget my problems, blah, blah, blah. But then it perverts everything else you do. Until your entire being is about chasing the meth or the clicks. To see the New York Times prostituting itself like this, to extend the metaphor, to score the drugs of clicks, is it's humiliating. It's sad. It's dehumanizing. The, most it's, in, the one thing it ain't is sexy. The most important newspaper in the world. Yeah. Now running stories that are crap for uh, to, to, to see how many people clicked on the page to it jake tapper who has humiliated himself by working for cnn but they wrote him a big fat check and i would do the same yeah he's kind of <laughs> like um uh, who's the baseball player who signed the the gazillion dollar contract mike trout any of them actually if you go to a bad team for for a hundred million dollars that, that's what jake tapper did at cnn they thought they brought in a giant superstar yeah and that that would bring people over it didn't no as my dad used to say about the cubs back when they sucked for a hundred years the Cubs are only three players away from the World Series, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Um, <laughs> hey, speaking of uh, Jake Trout, uh, do we have the, uh, still that Marshall tape? Marshall's famous tape, Michael? Come on, what are you doing in there? What Are, are you on meth? Is that what's happening? Get help, son. <laughs> what about the nutritious trout? There you go. Just hear Marshall's voice is a pleasure. 
So anyway, Jake uh, Tapper's talking about this story that uh, the, the Russians are supporting Trump again, and, and, and Trump went crazy when he heard it. Jake Tapper tweets, a national security official I know and trust pushes back on the way the briefing uh, story is being told, and others with firsthand knowledge agree with his assessment. What's been articulated in the news is the Intelligence Committee has concluded the Russians are trying to help Trump again, but the intelligence doesn't say that, the official says. The problem is the, uh, and then he goes into some detail that it's just, it's not a story. But it is the story. Well, that's not what Lawrence O'Donnell thought when he saw the story on MSNBC. Noted anti-carpenter Lawrence O'Donnell. (laughs) The president is a Russian operative. Wait a second. That sounds like the description of a bad Hollywood screenplay, but it is real. There you go. Wow. This f***ing stupid hammering. <laughs> it was part of a different story. Yeah, no carpentry. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and I feel, I actually feel bad about this. It, it, it gives me emotional pain that a significant chunk of our fellow citizens, um, and I don't mean just you and me, but all of us, who could be our friends, they're our neighbors, they're our kids' parents, and, and, and we have so much in common. We're all Americans what what binds us together is so much greater than what divides us. But they will hear those stories in their intellectual bubble all day long. And then when you two, when it comes up between you and them or me and them or whatever, there will be zero ability to connect because they're so out in the stratosphere. Uh, you know, there are plenty of reasons to criticize Trump if you want to criticize Trump. He's like all presidents. He's got some flaws. But, oh, man, this this is bad for America. Never mind Putin supporting Trump. Putin loves our media. They're doing his work for him. They're dividing us and turning us against each other. Damn it. Um, you hate to give the pooter a win. It's one of the worst people on earth. Back to meth in a moment as we got a text from a DEA agent about, uh, well, the front page story in the USA Today now, and hopefully not the front page story in your life anytime soon, how meth is taking over. God, we got a number of texts from people who have, some parents said our son is on meth and it's ruined his life and almost ruined our family. Oh, oh and so uh, bad. Oh, it is terrible. Don't yeah. start. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. How do we tease this other thing? I don't want to give it away. Oh, oh, about uh, the pretty, pretty one? Yeah. The governor of the most populous state in the country just tweeted something that makes me think he's psychotic. I don't know. How do you like that? Is that not your take on it or what? Yeah, we're rethinking the structure of society. There's no doubt about that. Uh, stay tuned for how outside the box we're thinking. Academy Awards this year, you see? <laughs> and the winner is a movie from South Korea. What the hell was that all about? <laughs> we got enough problems with South Korea with trade. On top of it, they give them the best movie of the year. Was it good? I don't know. 
You know, I'm looking for like where where let's get gone with the wind. Can we get like gone with the wind back, please? Yes! Yeah, gone with the wind. Sunset Boulevard. So many great movies. The winner is from South Korea. I thought it was best foreign film, right? Best foreign movie. No, it was the button. Did this ever happen before? <laughs> Trump riffing what, what in Colorado. What was that? <laughs> I set up a political rally in Colorado. By the way, did you see the Oscars the other night? <laughs> ah, you gotta love it. Uh, if, do you get the award-winning fourth hour of the Armstrong and Getty show? We did win an award. Do I still have that around? I got that somewhere. Yeah, the one a with the of hunks of plastic over there. Is that the, the the goat up on top? Or? Yeah, check oh, yeah. top left there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, this is it. This is the award. Yeah. For some reason, it's a goat. Um, it says Armstrong and Getty, best fourth hour of radio. Yes. Third place regional. Nice. <laughs> Thank you. Set this award. Thank you. The, <laughs> the award-winning fourth hour of the Armstrong and Getty show. We're going to be talking China with Ying Ma. I don't know if you know uh, her. So you might see her on cable news channels all the time. She grew up in China under Mao. She went to Stanford and got a law degree. She's super smart. And she knows a lot about China. And we're going to be China. Talking, talking to her next hour about Corona and the Communist Party and all that sort of stuff. Yep. Can't wait. Really looking forward to it. So, pretty, pretty Gavin Newsom, who is the governor of Cal Unicornia, where realism has gone to die, uh, home of half of the bums and junkies in America, also home to homeless people who are trying to, uh, you know, get back housed. And those are totally different groups. Bums and junkies and the nice folks who are just down on their luck. Anyway, he just tweeted, doctors should be able to write prescriptions for housing the same way they do for insulin or antibiotics. The, um, the what? The, the, the Not a wackadoo poet journalist who's making a documentary about the homeless situation, who lives in their parents' basement. Right. No, the governor of the biggest state in the country just tweeted it. Read it again, because I'm not sure everybody <laughs> fully understood what you just said. Doctors should be able to write prescriptions for housing the same way they do for insulin or antibiotics. The only thing I can take from that is everybody is taking a page out of Donald Trump's book now and trying to say outlandish things and make it into the news with the idea that as long as they're talking about you, you're winning. He can't possibly believe that as a policy. Well, here's some of his his bizarre reasoning. We need to start targeting social determinants of health. Oh, wait a minute. What was that term he used the other day? Overall welfare? General welfare. General right, exactly. That uh, We need to start treating brain health like we do physical health. Now, I read that and I thought, okay, you know, I'm absolutely for better mental health care for the severely mentally ill. But no, he says, what's more fundamental to a person's well-being than a roof over their head? So, your doctor will say, you know, you're, you're a little nuts. I prescribe a three-bedroom, uh, two-and-a-half-bath uh, suburban uh, home. <laughs> and then I guess somebody pays for it? You seem awfully stressed. Here's a house. Here's an apartment. Would Here, that, here's a trailer. Would that include, um, I got out of college and I had a job for a while and I was doing okay, but then I started doing meth and then I lost my job and then I was couch surfing for a while and I'm still doing meth. 
And, and I then, stole from quite a few of my relatives, so they want nothing to do with me. Yeah, so none of my friends will let me live there anymore because I was stealing from them, and I maxed out all my credit cards so I can't get credit, so that's why I can't get an apartment. And I'm still doing meth, by the way. Right. So what does what kind of a, a place that I pay for does the doctor prescribe to that person? Well, the government, the governor, the government is going to take your money, if you're working, from you, and you don't get a choice, and give it to the tweaker type, because there's nothing more fundamental to a person's well-being than a roof over their head. He actually said some of the most troubling increases in homelessness in California have occurred in rural areas and small towns and remote parts of the state. They're not from there. It's not, it's not People in these little towns all of a sudden became homeless. They showed up in this town because there's too many homeless people over in that town. I'm going to go over to this town and glom off of their services for a while. Right. It's not like they grew up there and have become homeless. And or they're, they're tweakers. They're drug addicts. Or they are from there and they started doing meth. Right. Well, let's remove all the disincentives for being a junkie. Shall we go through this again? Let's make it as easy and comfortable as as possible for people to continue to abuse drugs. Oh, we're doing a, a podcast with Dr. Drew Pinsky on uh, Monday, I believe. We're going to have an extended chat with him. We'll chop it up, have you some highlights for the show next week. Uh, but he is adamant. He is militant as a guy who's dealt with addiction for decades now that we are doing exactly the opposite thing and we are murdering our young people by making it as easy as possible to be junkies. Can you share that Gavin Newsom tweet with Dr. Drew? I'd just be interested to see what his response is if he hasn't seen it yet. Yeah, yeah sure. We'll, we'll ask him about it next week. But uh, So Gavin Newsom, he doesn't believe that, does he? That's just an attempt to get attention about the subject. It's hard to know with Gavin because he is a skillful panderer, and 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 he knows the game. So I'm never sure what he really believes. Prescriptions for housing. 